listening to a sermon that was preached and recorded live at one of Shalom Baptist Chapel's Sunday morning worship services. For more information about the church, please visit shalombaptistchapel.org. Good morning again and welcome to Shalom Baptist Chapel. And uh, so good to see uh, faces that are familiar, faces that are a bit new, all right, and yes, Sister Chinatsu is, yes, she's back for a visit, and I you know, <laughs> yeah, so great, and uh, yes, and uh, yeah, we have uh, our brothers and sisters, not new, but they have been here before, so, so glad, yeah, so wonderful, wonderful to see all of you here, and um, uh, for before we begin, I just want to tell something that for the church website right now, if you go to our church website, you will see something funny, and that's because it's kind of like suspended, it's kind of like broke down, because we don't have people on the technical back end side who is gonna who takes care of that. So that's why we kind of our website is suspended, all right? So if you ever try to go to find our website, it's not up there until we have someone who, whom we can have to support on the technical part. Then we will, be, we will have, okay? In the meantime, we don't have, we will just probably have the shall, uh, Facebook, all right? So for those of you who are here first time or you have been not around and you are here today for the message, uh, you are right at the end of the movie. And when you come right at the end of the movie, what happens? You are lost. It's like, what's happening? What's this conversation all about? Okay, Because in Shalom here, what we do is, what, what, what I've been trying to do is we, we, do, a, we do a sermon uh, over a few weeks. So it's like one sermon, but we kind of divide into three to five to six weeks. Okay, so we are going to end our conversation on this um, uh, topic that we are talking about on rethinking God. Do we need God anymore? So for those of you who would like to go back and uh, retrieve and listen or you want to listen again, or for those of you who might think that this series might be helpful for my family members, for my parents, for my siblings, or for my friends who are not a believer, but they are open, or someone I know who used to be a Christian, who used to go to church, but doesn't go to church anymore, and so on and so forth. And you think that this might be of little help in some ways, then you can do so. Uh, you can go to this link and you will find. Uh, but we have only two, uh, first two sermons uh, loaded up here. The, the other two will come along with today's, all right? So please be patient for the first two. You can always go and listen here. <clears throat> and of course, we have the video Mr. Chu always faithfully takes, but today, at the end of the movie, he's not there. You know, the climax is always the important part. I don't know when he, why he's not here. No, I know why he's not here. You know, he has a competition, so yeah. And he, he loves swimming, so yeah, we, we, that's why we, have, we don't have him here. Anyway, for this series, 
I want to wrap up today and I hope I will do justice to this big topic that we are talking about. And I struggled and I was struggling, how do I land this conversation? Because it, it just goes on and on. And I wish we can, and I, I, I really hope we will come back to this uh, topic uh, in future. But, but let me try, let me attempt to land us down to the ground today. We started, for the benefit of those who were not here or you were not able to catch us up with, just to give a quick kind of a review. We started with this tension, saying that there are groups of people who may be atheists, who don't believe in God, who doesn't believe in the existence of God. But we also have a group of people who are theists, uh, which theism or theists, who believe in God. And like I said from the very beginning, I, I, I don't want to talk about other religion, but I think I want to just talk about Christianity. And so when I, whenever I say theist or theism, I'm talking about Christians or Christianity. So we have people who are Christians. And in between uh, Christianity and atheism, we have the people called the nuns, N-O-N-E-S. Nuns means non-affiliated. And they are like, kind of like stuck in the middle. And they kind of migrated over from Christianity to this. They, 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 they are not over here. They are neither here. They are in between. So we call them as well the in-between group of people. But at the same time, those who are here, Christians, and that may be some of your stories. You may be Christian, but you have struggles with your own faith, your belief in God, and so on and so forth. So we talk about this, and as, as a start, in the first week, what we did was we kind of like went to the other extreme, which is the atheist or atheism, and we kind of talk about saying that if you ever want to be a good atheist, then you have to believe in th these three things, fundamental. And these three things are not because I said, as I said. These are the ones who said the three gurus of the a new atheism, uh, they kind of uh, nailed for us, all right? And to be a good atheist, if you want to be an atheist, you must believe that mind is an illusion. That means there is no you. You and I, we are just biology, governed by the laws of physics and chemistry. So there is no such thing as you, you. You are just biology. You are just body. You die, that's it. You exist, you die, that's it. Okay, so, oh no, you are a person. You are a person. No, no such thing. It's just an illusion. Then free will. Free will is an illusion as well. There is no such thing that you choose to do. It's not like a, your choice. It's whatever you choose, it's already determined by nature. So it's not your fault. If you kill someone, Dr. Matthew, it's not your fault. The nature has already decided in that sense. Okay, there is so the free will, the idea of no, you choose, you decide on certain things. It's an illusion. And then uh, value illusion. That means all the values that we put, the values in relationship, the values in life, the values in, our, uh, in the things around us, it's all an illusion. It's all an illusion. That's what we talk about in the first week, all right? And then we moved on saying that uh, part of the reason why people are stuck in the middle is because they have uh, the wrong idea of who God is. 
the reason why Christians migrate into the non-category, the stuck-in-the-middle category, is because they have been believing in wrong gods. And, and some of the wrong gods that we, we talked about were this. The body god, God, on-demand God, boyfriend or girlfriend God, guilt God, anti-science God, body God. God is, is, is you believe that God must always protect us, that no bad things should happen to good people, and especially to Christians who believe in a good God. But that kind of God doesn't exist. Bad things do happen to good people. But some of us, we believe that, no, if God is good, then no good, no bad things should happen. No, there is no such God. And that's why we said, if you quit believing in this kind of God, then it's good because we don't have this kind of God. The on-demand God is like, God will always answer us. Whatever we ask, if we ask with good intention and if our desire is a very simple one, no, that kind of God doesn't exist either, all right? Boyfriend, girlfriend God is the idea that you believe that God, if God is God, if God is loving, if God is all-powerful, then God will always ensure that He will let us make His presence felt. That, oh, I must always feel God's presence. I must always feel God moving in my life. No, we don't have that kind of God. And the guilt God is what we said, right? God loves you, but He, what? Hates you. Or God loves you, but He doesn't like you. Because when you commit a sin, He doesn't like you. He's angry. He's not pleased with you. And anti-science God is the God that says that, oh, uh, uh, God doesn't, uh, God and science doesn't go together. You see? So if you want to believe in God, then we cannot talk about the science. We cannot talk about all these archaeological findings and all those. We cannot ask questions on God. We must just believe in God. God is against science. No, not true. We don't have such God. So we talk about this as well. And then on the third week, we talk about something like, you know, the other reason why some Christians would migrate to the th- uh, center category or some Christians why they would struggle is because of the Bible. And we talk about the Bible, the foundation of Christian faith. We said Christianity does not exist because of the Bible. And we talked about this by this song that we all sing, Jesus loves me so, Jesus loves me, this I know for the Bible tells me so. But we, we kind of like critiqued on that, that, that no, Jesus loves me so this I know, not because the Bible tells me so. It's even better than that, right? That's what we said. Because Christianity does not exist because of the Bible. Or the, the other way we put it is the Bible didn't create Christianity. The Bible documents Christianity. Christianity existed before the Bible came about. And so for some of us, we believe along the way that, oh, Bible is the core foundation of Christianity. Bible is the one that, that makes Christianity. If the Bible goes, so goes our faith. It's like Jesus is true because the Bible mentioned it. No, it's the other way around. And that's what we talk about. We can, we can, we can be confident in the Bible, not because, not because the Bible created Christianity or created Jesus Christ, but the Bible documents simply what actually happened in the first, second, and third century. And that builds our confidence in the Word of God in a, in a, in a, in a different way. 
And then in the, on the fourth week, we talk about, so if we, if, if we are believing in the wrong gods, then what is God truly like? And we talk about that. And we said Jesus is the, is the ultimate reference. He is the best reference that we can ever hold on to. And, and why Jesus, uh, Jesus is the best reference? Because I think there are tons of evidence to prove that Jesus actually is who he claims to be, right? And so we saw from the life of Jesus, Jesus revealed what God is like. And Jesus said God is spirit, God is father, and God is love. God is spirit. It gives us the idea that God is bigger and, 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 and he, he, he's, he's bigger. He's on a different category, not like us. God is father in the sense that he is personal and relational, and God is love in a sense that God is always good and better than we can imagine. So that's what we kind of talk about it, and I know I just gave you kind of like throw in here and there, and you might be, for those of you who are not, who are not here, uh, you might be kind of like confused, okay? That, that's not my intention. It's just that you were not here, so you can always refer back, all right? But for those of you who have been tracking with us, it's kind of like a refresher. So let me lend this conversation today. And I want to do it like this. There's this guy called Thomas Nagel. He's an atheist, remember that. He is an atheist. And he made an extraordinary statement. It will just blow your mind. It blew my mind, and I hope it will. Just mind-boggling. And Thomas Nagel said something like this. He's an atheist, and he said this. He was brutally honest about himself and that's what this is what he said he said this i want atheism to be true and i'm made uneasy by the fact that some of the most intelligent and more well-informed people i know are religious believers look at the first part i want atheism to be true now there's a context behind this statement in the other book that he wrote, he kind of said something like this. He kind of critiqued his own atheist position, atheistic position. And he, he kind of gave this, he, he brought this, the, the idea. He said, just as Christians, because he said that we atheists, we like to critique the Christians. And we, the, the way we critique Christians are like this. that We always say, oh, you Christians, whenever there is a gap, Whenever you cannot explain anything, you always say, oh, God did it. Oh, it must be God. Oh, God is the... You always... Your answer is whenever you don't have any answer, you will always say, oh, trust God. It's God. God. Just trust God. But at the same time, he said, we atheists are also like doing the same thing in, an, in a different way. And, and what he said was, we atheists, we just simply say this. If there is no way that we can explain certain things, we always say, oh, natural selection did it. Natural selection did it. It just happened like that. Just, just happened like that. It's natural selection. We, we don't know how, but nature selected. Nature is the mother nature that just, boom, that's it. So he said it cuts both ways. Just as we critique, you know, the Christians saying that, oh, if you, don't, if you can't explain, it's just, they just put the word God, God. And likewise, we also same. Because in atheists, in our philosophies, in our believism, there are also things we cannot explain. And those we cannot explain, we always like to explain away by saying, oh, natural selection did it. Oh, it's the nature of the law of physics and chemistry. It just happens like that, you know. And that's why he said, I know where I am. So he was being very honest. 
And he said, I know, I know the tension. And so he, and, and that's why he said, I want atheism to be true. In other words, he's, he, he's kind of feeling that I know it's, it's kind of hard to say that atheism is true, but I want it to be true. And, and I'm troubled by the fact that some of the most intelligent people, he said, are religious believers. Then he went on to say, it isn't just that I don't believe in God and naturally hope that I'm right in my belief. It is that I hope there is no God. <laughs> I don't want there to be a God. I don't want the universe to be like that. It, it's, it's amazing, isn't it? I don't want there to be God. It's like, it's like, in other words, he's saying like, I know there are evidence that can like point to the existence of God. It's like, this kind of evidence, like how do you discard this kind of evidence? But I don't want there to be God. I don't want it to be true of what I'm seeing. In other words, my friends, there are two, there are two categories. One is, I don't believe. In this, I don't believe, is that I don't believe. The first group is this. I don't believe because what? I'm still searching. I don't believe in God or I don't believe in these things because I'm still searching. I, 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 I still don't understand uh, everything. So I, I don't believe everything yet because I'm still searching or there's something that I cannot understand. So I don't believe. The first one is that. But the second one it's on a totally different category. I don't want to believe. There's a will in it. I don't want to admit. It's like I don't want to admit that, yes, there are great tons of evidence to point that actually Jesus is who he claims to be, but I don't want it to be true. I wish it's not true, and so I don't want. So I don't want to believe it. And it's a totally different thing. The first one is really like genuine search, genuine like asking curious. And so because he's not there, that's why he's saying, look, I don't believe yet. But the second one is like, it's just a willful rejection. I don't want to believe. I know where I am in my faith journey. And I think that's some for, for Christians. And I, the first thing I said is for, for, the, for the one who are stuck in the middle, but even this one, I don't want to believe. It is applied even for us who are Christians today. And you know best, and I think I want all of us today to be also brutally honest about ourselves. And there are things in your life that you know, in your own walk with God, how your faith journey has been for this year, for the past few years. There are things that you know that you are not right with God, right? You know there are certain things that God is not pleased with you. You know certain things that where you are is not the best for you. And you might have people, brothers and sisters from the church, kind of like trying to come and encourage you, brother, I think you should own up your faith. Sister, I think you should grow. And then when you hear that kind of thing, it's like deep inside your heart, you know, yes, you are right. I know I shouldn't be in this position. But it's just like this. I know, but I, I just don't want. I just don't want to move. I, do, I just don't want. 
to do anything about it. I know I should change about my situation, but I don't want to change. Now, that's a very interesting thing about, again, uh, St. Augustine said something like this. We love the truth when it enlightens us, but we hate it when it convicts us. Isn't it true? All of us are there, right? When the truth enlightens us, it's like, yes! But when the truth kind of hits us and convicts us, reveals our sin, we hate it. We don't like it. And that's why I said the earlier one, I don't want, because that's kind of our nature. And this is not just people who are stuck in between or in, in the atheist group, but even for theist group, for Christians like you and me. It's quite natural. We are all there about this. <clears throat> so, the question that we should be asking is, what is that? Why is it like that? It's like, why, why, why is it like, I don't want? It's like, we know, but we don't want. Why is the situation like that? And I would like to suggest three reasons why. And it could be, you may identify, you may not identify. And this is for those who may be in the atheist category, who may be the nuns category, the stuck in the middle category, or they may be, it may be also like you and me who, are, who call ourselves Christians. And the reason why we are like that is, is you see, if, 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 if we truly believe that there is God, if we truly believe that Christianity as Jesus reveals to us is true, if God is really God, if God is really who He says He is, it's like, it's like no, I, I, I know there, there are evidence, but I don't want to, but if... if at the back of our mind, we know that if there is God, then there is an implication to our life. And the first one is this. If there is God, then you are guilty, and I'm guilty. If there is God, if God is God, then you are guilty. And that's why I said it's, we, we need to be honest. There are things in our lives, there are things that in your life that you have done, you have said, you have thought, you have done. And those things that if you, if you could think about it, it's, 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 it's shameful. Some of it are very shameful. Some of it like you can't even believe that you did it, that you said it, that you thought about it. And so if... if if I were to believe that there is really holy God, a perfect God, a creator God, as Jesus Christ revealed to us, then, you know what? I stand guilty. I stand condemned before such God. And that is why I don't want to believe. And that is why sometimes I just don't want to admit it. It's easier to ignore than address it. Agree? Especially 
when you know you are guilty, when you know you are wrong, when you know that you have sinned, when you know that there are some sins in your life, in my life, that nobody knows except you. And if there is really this infinite God, the sovereign God, you know, I know that He knows what nobody knows except myself and God. So if there is God, I stand guilty. You stand guilty, you stand judge. And so it's easier to ignore it rather than address it. And that could be your story. That could be some of our stories. Why you don't want to change anything about your situation. The second reason, perhaps, if this is not your story, the second reason could be if there is God, then you are accountable. If there is God, if God is God, you are accountable. Adam and Eve, we all know the story of Adam and Eve. Adam and Eve, their story depicts, I think, amazing, in an amazing way, how human beings want to be independent. How human beings by kind of like, you know, somehow, even in our perfect creation, there was, there was some kind of like this, this longing, longing, longing to be independent. And, and we saw that and how it kind of led them astray. You see, if we admit God, and that's what you and I don't want to do, because if we admit God, then we have to submit to God. If we really admit that this God is really true God, then it requires us to submit. Admitting requires submitting. And that's why sometimes the reason could be because if there is truly God, then yes, I'm accountable. And by nature, I don't like to submit. I want to be in charge of my life. I want to make decisions of my own. I don't want God to tell me what I should do. I don't want God and the Bible to tell me what kind of job I can do and I cannot do. I don't want God and the Bible to tell me what kind of relationship I can have and I cannot have. The Bible and God, I don't want them to tell me what I should watch, what I should not watch, what I should say, what I should not say. Let's be honest. I know we are, most of us here are Christians, but live it to ourselves. Don't you think that's where we will tend to move on? That's where we will lean toward? We want to make decision. We want to be independent. Even though we believe in God sometimes, and, and guess what, brothers and sisters, some of you, listen to this very carefully, especially you are in that situation. You acknowledge God, but you are living a life as if God doesn't exist. And that is the tension I'm talking about. And that's why I said from the right, from the beginning, I've been saying that you may be Christian, you may be coming to church, but that doesn't mean that you are on the, on the side of theism. You might as well be the non-category, but you are coming to church. And just as, like I said, just because you come to church, just because I come to church, 
doesn't mean I believe. Just because you don't come to church also doesn't mean that you don't believe in God. It's, it cuts both ways. But my point is because you know. You know, and, and, and what I'm telling all of us today is to be honest to ourselves. Because if we were to think in terms of the evidence, if we were to think in terms of the findings and history, the reliability of the history of Christianity, and all, it's all there, it's all there. In the, in the past four sermons, we have already kind of like dug into in some of the crucial ones. And I have not addressed many, but they are out there. All the materials are there. So if we, if we are really asking about the fact-based questions, then yes, there are fact-based answers available for all of us. But I think today as we land in this series, in this conversation about rethinking God, about the need of God in our lives, is to be brutally honest to ourselves. Because like I said, some of us here, you know, you believe in God in some ways. But the life that you are living, the life I'm living, I think you know, and you don't want to be accountable because, yeah, I know. And, and that's why, for some of us, that's why I say, you are, you are like that. What Thomas Nagel said, I don't want it to be true. I don't want that to be God. Because if there is God, I am accountable. I am to submit. And that is the part I don't like. You want to live your own life. And yes, you may have valid reasons. I don't doubt about it. Because like I mentioned in one of my, in, in the second or the third installment of this series, we grew up in a Christian environment. You experienced childhood conversion or conversion along the way. Then, a faith crushing events takes place in your life. And that's when you begin to say there is no God. Or even if there is God, you just don't want to think about God. And then you begin to slide down and lean towards the stuck in the middle and say, you know what? I don't want to do anything with God. But do you believe in God? I just don't want to think about it anymore. I just want to just go through the motion. I just want to be in charge of my own life. And I think Christians, as well as non-Christians, I, I think even Christians, some of us, we struggle in that. We don't want the scriptures, we don't want Jesus to be, to be the in charge of our lives. We don't want to set our values by Jesus, by God, and by the scriptures. And that's why we said if we acknowledge God, then you are accountable, and that could be, one of, that could be your story. Why you said, I don't care. I don't want to think so deep about Christian, Christianity. I, I, just, I, just, I just, just want to be normal Christian, you know. And by normal Christian means, I just want to go to church, maybe attend small group if I can, and I try to be good. That's it. Maybe I give my offering, yeah, faithfully. <laughs> you know, that's it. Yeah, yeah. But how I live my life, how I parent my children, how I take care of my parents, how I relate with others, mm. how I find my job, how I manage my finance, mm. I'll do it myself. I, because I don't want... So that, that could be your story. And third, uh, third is if there is God, 
you, you, first is you are guilty and you are accountable. And third one is if there is God, then you are wrong. You are wrong. Now, if, if there is God, the reason why you say, I don't want it to be true, why, why you are struggling and why you don't want to do anything about and you want to just ignore, and especially if you are stuck in the middle, that you migrated from believing in God, and then now you are, you are not believing in God, you are also not believing in the non-existence of God, you are just like, I, I, don't, want to, I don't want to think about anything. But you see, if you acknowledge there is God, then it kind of like you have to admit to yourself that, okay, I was wrong. And brothers and sisters, my friends tell me, it is so hard, isn't it, to admit that we are wrong. I mean, please, this is something that even, you know, a uh, uh, simple experience, you know, I have two young kids, and then <clears throat> sometimes I'm wrong. But it's very hard to admit, you know, I always try to, you know, explain away, and then it's like, okay, let me think of how to teach them. I don't focus on my wrong, but I was wrong. And sometimes you, and sometimes from the beginning of your kind of argue, arguing or your debate with your spouse, with your parents, with your friends, sometimes right from the beginning, you know you are wrong. But you just want to like just work, you just want to like try your luck to win. Some, the other times will be along the way of arguing and debating, you kind of realize that, oops, oh, I didn't know that. Oh, yeah, okay, so it was my fault, actually. Oh, but Pisces, I, I cannot lose this argue, you know, debate. So you just, just go about, you know, like trying to prove all the points, you know. And, and, and so it's, it's natural, I understand. And that, that, that could be your story. Like I said, it's not about the evidence of God. Evidence of God is, is, is there are tons of evidence. Because you want to know about the evidence of God, the existence of God, then the, 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 the reference point, if you want to so-called proof, anyway, no one can prove or disprove God, but just indulge in this thought about proving God. If you were ever trying to prove God, true living God, then the person that you must examine is Jesus Christ himself. Because if Jesus Christ is not who he claims to be, then yes, God idea, you must just throw it away. But if Jesus is proven to be who he says he is, then I think that's where the problem comes. And that's why if we acknowledge there is God, then we are proven, you are proven that you are wrong. It is easy to admit the wrong of other people, but it is so hard that made our own wrong. So, why do we resist admission of our own wrong? I know I am wrong, but won't admit it. I mean, remind, reminded me of the uh, passage where it says that before you remove the what? Speck in your brother's eye, remove what? A log. <laughs> It's like you are carrying a log and then you are thinking about the speck in someone's eyes. Like, come on. But that's the nature, isn't it? It's so hard to admit that you are wrong when you're wrong. And especially when you admit your admission to the existence of God proves you are wrong. And perhaps that is making it difficult. So, if there is God, you are guilty, I'm guilty, you are accountable, I'm accountable, you are wrong. And I'm wrong. 
But listen to this one. <clears throat> when we are willing, when we are willing to acknowledge the real issue, when we are willing to admit, acknowledge that the real issue is our resistance, not God's existence, then I can guarantee you that there will be new openings for your life and my life. To acknowledge that the real issue is our resistance, not God's existence. I can guarantee that things will change for you and me. You and I can be in a better place. So for many of us here, you may be saying, oh no, pastor, I, I, I don't belong to the nuns group. I don't belong to the stuck in the middle group. I am a Christian faithfully serving God and I believe. You may be, you may be saying that. But you see, even like I said, for those of us who call ourselves Christians, we are struggling silently. Nobody knows. That's why I said in one of the sermons as well, if you are truly struggling in your own faith, as a Christian, please don't keep it to yourself. Don't hide your feeling, especially with regards to your faith. We all go through difficult times. We all go through doubtful times. It is but nature. It's, it's natural, I mean. It's normal. Look at the disciples of Jesus Christ. They believed. They doubted. They believed. They doubted. And they actually ran away from Jesus himself. Like, ah, we are wrong. But they came back again. So it's, it's, it's normal. What is not normal is that you keep it to yourself. Because that's going to lead you to death. There's, no, there's going to be no rescue for you. And so even for us, as Christians, sometimes there, so that we, we got to acknowledge that the real issue it's not that God doesn't love us. No, He, he loves us. He, God is love. So if we, and when we, acknowledge that the real issue is our resistance, not God's existence, then things will change for you and me. You and I will be in a better place. The reason is this. Simply because if Jesus is correct, and do you think Jesus is correct? I believe so. Not because the Bible says Jesus is correct. No, it's better than that. We know Jesus is correct because there, there are tons of evidence out there. We know Jesus is correct because he said he would die. He said he will rise from the dead and he died and he rose from the dead. So we can vouch our lives. We can just put our lives before Jesus so if, because if Jesus is correct and He is correct, then if there is God, there is forgiveness. If there is God, the first, the first part that we talked about was if there is God, then you are guilty. If there is God, then you are accountable. If there is God, then you are what? wrong so if there is God the good news is because Jesus is correct Jesus is true there is the good news is there is forgiveness 
There is forgiveness. Your wrong, your lack of submission to God, and your sins, the guilt, the shame, the mistakes that you have made, that you and I make even today. If there is God, then yes, He is a holy God. He's a perfect God. So yes, we all stand condemned by the very virtue of God being holy God. We all stand condemned, guilt, guilty. And we are all wrong. But there is the other side of the coin and that is the good news and there is this one. If there is God, it also means that there is forgiveness. In other words, your sins and my sins, they become platform by which God demonstrates His love and His forgiveness for us. Listen to this again. It means this, your sins, your mistakes, all this becomes a platform whereby God demonstrates His love and forgiveness for you. And that's what Paul the Apostle said, right? He said, for God demonstrates His own love for us in this. God demonstrates. God doesn't just say, oh, I love you. But God demonstrated His love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, And that's why it doesn't matter. It's like, how could God love me that I was a Christian, I was believing in God, but now I have like kind of backslided or I have kind of like deconverted and I have even cursed God and now I'm stuck in the middle, I might stay here forever. So if you ask me there is forgiveness, how how can God do that? I am sinner. I still don't want to admit. It's like I just don't want then how can God still love me but this verse says while we are still sinners God still loves us Christ died now I said this before but this is so amazing you know when Paul wrote this one he was talking about life he was he was Kind of in his mind, he was like, he, you know, the, his time frame was simply what he's saying was this one. He was telling the people, you know, brothers, sisters, Jesus Christ died on the cross while I was sinning. Remember, Paul came only after Jesus rose and he left. When Jesus was around, was when Jesus was around and doing the miracles and leading, what was Paul doing? On the other side, Jesus would establish a ch- kind of like a group of people, like a church, and Jesus will leave, and then Paul will come and kind of like destroy everything. So it's like Jesus would build, Paul will come and destroy. Jesus will build, Paul will come and destroy. That was the life of Paul at that time. And so when Paul said, while we were still sinners, he was telling to himself, like, while I was sinning, Jesus was crucified lifetime 
you know. When, when, when Jesus was dying on the cross, I was, you know what? When you all were like scared, when you all were scattered when Jesus was crucified, you know what I was doing? I was there at that place. I was there at that place. And I was chasing away the people, his followers. And I was jailing them. I was killing them. I was persecuting them. And that's what Paul means while I was still sitting. I didn't know but Christ died for us. So if, if, if you are in this category that you are stuck in the middle, silently, secretly, because you may be a Christian, but silently you are struggling and you are here, it's like, how can? See, even my heart is not even open to, to admit. So how can God love me still? But you must understand that for us, Christ has already died for all our sins. And I hope that that is a confidence that you and I can have. That He demonstrated His love for us. So no matter where we are, you may be stuck in the middle, or you may be even an atheist in a sense silently, or you may be a Christian but struggling in certain ways, in some ways. Always remember that God already demonstrated His love for us, for you. How do we know? while you are still sinner and while you still continue to sin and while you may still struggle to sin in future, remember that Christ has already died for you. He has paid for you. In other words, my brothers and sisters, my friends, please listen to this. God, God is not our enemy. God is not our enemy. Enemy doesn't die for his enemy. He died for you. Jesus died for you. That means Jesus is for you. He is not. I know many people are kind of, there are people in the world that, that turn off with the idea of God, like Sam Harris, Christopher Hitchens, all this. That turn off with the idea of God. They say that religion poisons everything. It's like religion and belief in God. It's like kind of like bars you from thinking rationally and acting in a way that you should act for the good of humanity. But I, I, I think I, I, I tend to disagree with that. Because the God that we are talking about, now I don't know about the other gods from other religions and I have no right to talk about them. But I have all right to talk about the God that we worship. The God of Jesus, Jesus himself. Now, if you ask me about this God, then this is the only God that I have found that he is not our enemy because he died for us. And so whatever situation we go through in life, doubts, discouragement, running away from God, disappointed in God, fine. God is saying, you can be disappointed with me. You can run away. Run if you can. Run if you can away from me. And God will say, I will see how far you can run away. Because there is no place to run away from God. His hand is long enough to reach out to you in your darkest, in your most doubtful moments. So don't you ever doubt. And I'm, I'm speaking, and I believe I'm speaking to a group of people who are like, no, we are not there. I hope, I hope that is the situation, but I'm, I'm also kind of like cautioning all of us. We all will be there at some point in time. 
And may this series, may this message be a reminder in advance for you that when you are in that moment, that you may run away, you may be disappointed, you may even curse God and run away. But God is not. You may think God is your enemy, but I tell you again, if God is our enemy, He will not die for you. And it's not because, just because the Bible says so, but the history tells us a man named Jesus came and died for the sin of the world. He didn't die for his own crime. He had no crime. Pilate couldn't find a single notion of a crime. And that's why he washed away his hands. He said, why, why are you guys killing him? He didn't know, but we know that we can see back and say that, well, actually, he was dying for our sin. So I hope that will encourage you. And that's why I said, if this series, if this sermon series helps you to think of someone in your life, could be your friend, could be your colleague, your parents, but they're struggling with the concept of that God is love, that God loves us, that God still cares for them. I hope that you can go and encourage them. Either you let them listen or you go and just talk to them. And then tell them, no, our God, God is not the enemy. The real enemy is ourself. We are our own enemy. Our sin is our own enemy. The, Paul said in the scripture, Paul describes sin as a being. Paul didn't describe sin as only a verb, but Paul describes sin as a noun as well. It's like, I know what I should do, but I don't do what is happening to me. Oh, I know what is happening to me because of this guy called sin is living in me. We are our greatest enemy. The scripture says as well, our heart is deceitful above all things else. Sometimes we don't even realize the desperate situation that we are in. And despite not knowing our darkest moments, Christ died for you and for me. So, this is my encouragement to you. So, if you are someone who has drifted away from God, silently, secretly, struggling, you may be in this category, in that category, whatever, you're disappointed, you still don't want to believe, my plea to you, in fact, God's plea to you is this. In the words of James, the brother of Jesus, come near to me. Draw yourself close to me. And God said, and I will draw close to you. And so I hope that wherever you are, if you feel that you are being descent because of whatever reason, you keep it to that. Don't make those reasons an excuse for you not to heed what Jesus is telling you. Come, draw yourself near to me and I will draw near to you. And we can take in this confidence because of what Jesus has done for us.